Welcome to the Mind Body Business Podcast. Have you ever considered your superpower? If you had one gift to leave with humanity, what would that be? We believe that everyone possesses a superpower. This is your value proposition, your je ne sais quoi to help make a tangible difference in the world. Each week, our show explores these superpowers with tantalizing thought seeds germinating only from the power of collective thought. We invite you to join us for one hour each week and listen in as we dispense superpower knowledge from great people doing greater things. Well, 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 welcome back to Mind Body Business. I'm Devo and Lisa's on the other end, four hours away over in the Hilton Head Island. How's everything going with you, young lady? It's great. How's everything going with you in the carpool line? Um, I only had to do one carpool this morning because, as we talked about yesterday, my 12-year-old decided to not go to school again, so she's doing the virtual thing. I kind of like how she can do virtual, not get count absent for that sort of thing, mm-hmm. not like she's going to mm-hmm. be missing anything. So um, I feel like there's days that I'm virtual as well, just on my computer yeah. all day. It feels like every day for me right now. You know what I was thinking, speaking of the virtual thing, not to go off topic here, but I think we should bring a couple of school teachers on for a podcast and have a conversation about how the dynamics of the school system are changing, you know, virtual versus the physical and all the different pieces that kind of play into that. And, you know, how the school system is basic. I was talking to a teacher last night at at soccer and he has been a school teacher for 30 some years and he's now leaving school system because he's so frustrated with his inability to actually teach the children. And I thought, that would be a really good podcast to have a conversation around some mm-hmm. of the stuff and how education has changed over the years and how it's morphing again and again, the political piece was, of it. Was this before or after you pushed him down on the soccer field? When he was laying on the ground, I stood over him and I was like, I heard you're going to retire now. So <laughs> we had that conversation. Right? You just retired him. I like that. What you got on the books today? All right. Well, we have a young lady who's coming from the north of France. I said south of France, but she's a traveler. She's a world traveler. She runs. Her name is Lily Allen. And I think I'm saying her name, Duenas. I hope I don't butcher that, Lily. She says it better. Duenas. Okay, cool. Um, she, she is the owner of the Wild Yoga Tribe, and she's the interim executive director of, a, of what's called the State of Women. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, she's a yogi. She's a spiritual woman. She travels the globe, and she's a, as you talked about earlier in the call, she is kind of the epitome of a collaborator. She, she's all about connecting with people sort of like we are. Um, one of the reasons I was really attracted to having a conversation with her is Uh, When we first did the onboard with her, she had a lot of really interesting thoughts that around spirituality and education and evolution and everything that's going on in the state of affairs right now on the planet. And I just thought it'd be a really good conversation to have with her, you know, go down the rabbit hole like we do. So I I kind of feel like when you have those conversations already, it should be recorded because sometimes they're, they're dropping so many interesting things and so much knowledge. I'm like, that was the podcast right there. At the outro, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, so just, just be creepy and just record everyone when you talk to them. I like that. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and bring her in. Anything else that you would like to discuss before we do that? No, I'm excited about today. All right. Cool. All right. Lily, I'm bringing you in. Hey there. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hey, Devo. Hi. 
So, Lily, we wanted to talk a little bit to you about one of the things that is central to your, your education, your teachings, and your gift to the planet is how stress impacts our body. And, and in, um, before the show started, we were talking a little bit about a, a book that we both love and have read many times called How the Body Keeps the Score, which centers around, and I'm not going to try to pronounce the author because it's a really um, complicated name, but how the body sort of retains the energy of stress and how that impacts our body. And if we don't address it, the ramifications and, and the impact that can have long term on us. So I know we both read that book. So let's just kind of jump into that space. How did you get into this area of, of stress management and yoga and sort of the direction that you are right now that, that your life has taken? Right. Um, so how did I get into it? That's a good question. Um, I actually came to yoga pretty young. Um, I think my first class was around when I was 16 or 17. It was totally new. It wasn't something I, I even knew the word yoga. Um, I, I hadn't ever been introduced to it before, but there was a class at a gym and one of my friends in high school was like, hey, let's, uh, let's go check that out. And showing up in the class, it felt like I was coming home. Like I was remembering something I had forgotten. And it just felt like this whole just, right? Like everything is just slowly releasing. And um, that was something I'd been searching for. There's so much tension we hold and daily stress and we're so stimulated that I needed, or I was really searching for a place to kind of re rest, recharge, regenerate, and like all those positive R words we're gonna throw out <laughs> later today, I'm sure. What's your take on that piece right there, that remembering something you had forgotten? Because that that has sort of some innuendos that you believe that you had maybe done this before in a previous life. Is that where you were hinting at and you're just sort of kind of coming back to that or was there something else? Mm, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different elements, right, to, to saying something like that, huh? But for me, I do believe in reincarnation um, and it did feel like something kind of I had done before in, in a past life or there's some muscle memory, even if some cells of my own had previously done it because, you know, cells aren't my cells always. They come from others. So things like that. I heard an interesting statement on that sort of remembering thing. When we have these deja vu moments, it's just us remembering things. I've always told Lisa, you know, I met Lisa almost five years ago, but from the day that I, and I met her on Instagram, from the day that I saw her, I sort of felt like I'd already seen her before, that I'd already known her before. And when I did physically meet her in the flesh, I had sort of these deja vu moments cascade through me. Like I had had these conversations with her before. And it happens all the time when I'm with her. Like she'll say something or she'll, she'll turn a certain way and I'll see it. And I've told this to before at least, but I have like this cascade flood over me. It's like, holy shit, I've totally seen that before. So mm. I, I don't really know what to make of that. Do you think that we come back as the same person over and over and over, or do we come back as a different person to, or in order to learn a different type of experience and lesson we must learn? Interesting. I actually don't believe either. <laughs> what I, I kind of believe is that, um, we have been birds, we've been frogs, we've been, you know, all these different creatures and beings. And maybe you, Lisa was your mother in a past life or your sister or just someone um, that you'd had a lot of in your spiritual encounters with and energetic encounters. So I don't just believe we're, we're back as humans because it's pretty precious to have a human existence. Um, in Buddhism, it's I forget the exact quote, but it's they liken it to in the entire ocean. If there's one little golden ring, just one golden ring in the whole ocean floating, 
it would be like a sea turtle that you know comes up for air every few minutes being putting his head through that golden ring in the entire ocean one sea turtle so you you don't you don't really get a human life very often <laughs> What would be, sorry, I have one more question on this and then we'll jump into the real topic. What do you think would be the benefit as to us as people, as humans, to have experienced something that is not human? What would be the benefit of being a turtle or a bird or a plant or whatever? What, would, what value would that add to us if you, were, if you were the creator of all of this and you were like, I think that I'm going to make Lisa come back as a frog. I'm going to make Devo come back as a tree. And I would like that person to do this, this, and this. What would be the benefit as a, as a species to have that experience? Okay. So I think the benefit of the species is it would be having more compassionate understanding and encounters for the preciousness of all life and kind of a removal of the ego because each creature has a different brain functioning and a different level of awareness. You know, the reptilians, um, the reptiles out there with the reptilian brains, it's all about, um, you know, just territory and <laughs> defense and aggression. And it is very base instincts. And then the mammals are more, can be more emotionally driven, um, have, have more, uh, uh, little tribes, little little packs, and and can be have longer time with their young. So different different creatures offer different lessons. But kind of what I believe is that it's not a creator deciding what you get to experience. It's based on your karma, uh, how you level up, kind of. Really interesting because I feel like I've known some reptiles in my life, and I've known some <laughs> when you're kind of doing the personality traits there. Um, can we just go back to? Um, when you made this discovery with yoga and it just kind of felt like home, like that awakening to something that was missing. And I think sometimes when we've discovered something that's so new to us, we're, it, it's like waking up on Christmas morning as a kid. You're so excited and you want to share it with everyone because you just want to help everyone and increase their, their quality of life as well. Like where did you go from there when you discovered it? Yeah, I love that you brought up Christmas, Lisa, because I totally feel like every time that I get a new student who has never tried yoga or meditation before ever, I feel like it's Christmas. I'm like, oh my gosh, I get to be the person <laughs> that teaches you uh, and introduces you to something that I love so much and I feel has just enormous and immense, infinite benefits. Um, so in terms of how what I did after first discovering yoga is I think I... I just kind of went back to classes casually, but then when I went to university um, and I found a studio close to me, I was going you know, four or five times a week and then just continuing to kind of refine my personal practice and drag as many friends with me as I can <laughs> to the classes. But it took a, it took a long time of really, uh, I was working in marketing for seven years in the US and um, then was just feeling a little unfulfilled and like things were not quite in alignment with my purpose. and. <laughs> I had to lay down in Shavasana and, and listen to my inner voice, ask questions and not rush to provide myself with answers. And in doing that, I kind of, after one whole year of deliberately asking my inner wisdom, what am I supposed to do with my life? What's my purpose? And then I heard, be a yoga teacher. And then, you know, within like two weeks, my whole entire life changed. So I was being patient. <laughs> I like how you put the time frame on that because that's really hard to to deal with when we're like, Oh, we're doing the things that we need to do. Where's my answer. And you're saying it took a year. Yeah. Of, you have to have being, patience with yourself. Of being really intentional too. It's not like you just asked and that's it, but being intentional about it and still takes that time. Absolutely. 
It's an interesting, it's an interesting thought to think about, you know, we live in, especially in the Western world. And I, I, you kind of come from the, the yoga perspective. So you have this sort of Eastern mentality that you're operating in a Western world, but the whole origins of yoga is centered around being part of the process. And just instead of the end piece, the end goal, it's just being on the journey. How have you found that living in the Western world, teaching a practice that is, please don't be offended by this, but it's somewhat been bastardized by Western economies. And it's sort of become this cliche thing to experience. You're a yogi and you do all these things and it's become about fitness in some ways, but that's not what original yogi wa yoga was. So how have you found your experience to yoga and the holistic world and you're a Reiki healer and all these different Eastern modalities that you're operating in a Western world? How have you found the Western benefits and the Eastern value stream to sort of collide and, and help people in this time period, I guess is the best way to ask that. Okay. Um, so I, I, I agree with you that in terms of um, yoga being culturally appropriated, right. And in terms of um, us taking something, uh, this rich, 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 rich ancient tradition that has, Oh man, uh, you know, just it's roots into so many different areas that's not physical. It's not about uh, exercise or physical postures. Um, and we, we just kind of minimize it down to this one tiny element. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's something to think about and be very conscious of and be mindful about. But something that I love about yoga is at its truest, truest form, yoga is union. Um, that's the root word yoga, yuj, Y-U-G means to yoke to bring together one or more things. And so when I, um, when I think about these um, perhaps uh, very, very simplistic practices that perhaps take parts of yoga and, and make it not what it perhaps could be or should be, um, I try to remember that it's all about union. It's all about bringing together and uniting. Um, I love one of the people that I interviewed for my podcast on the Wild Yoga Tribe is a yoga teacher from Mexico, Ana Paula Hernandez. We talked about this and she made me really realize anytime we're angry at someone um, in terms of how they're treating yoga, it's actually an act of war. It's like a, it's seeking to sever and divide and shame and, and cause chaos when really yoga isn't, isn't anything about that. Everything should be welcome and whatever. And you know, as things go, you know, you start in one place and then you evolve from there. You don't stay where you started. So I think that I have hope and faith that if you start in a place where, as you said, Devo, it's been bastardized in any way or, or changed in any way, or it doesn't feel authentic to its root source and just have, I have faith that people will continue on their journey and it maybe will lead them closer to the true meaning of, of yoga. So I'm not sure if I totally answered your question, Devo. How did, how did I do? Do you want to reframe? Yeah, I think, I think you answered it to some extent. I guess my question was like part of seven questions. So I guess where I was going with that is Lisa and I do yoga, if that's what you want to call it. Um, and we laugh at ourselves because we tend to get caught up in the maelstrom of we're not doing the stretch properly or we're not, engaged in the pose because we don't look exactly like this acrobat on the screen in front of us. But when, when Lisa says that to me or we mock ourselves, I sort of have to remind myself that the whole point of yoga is this is my practice. So whatever, it, whatever I'm doing in that space, that's really kind of on me. I, I don't have to look perfect. And I, I, and I don't have to exactly look like the, the model on, on the screen in front of me. So my question, I guess, was centered around, 
is there a value in the way the Western world has taken yoga in, in its current form that still aligns somehow with the Eastern mentality of it? Does that make sense? Is that a better way of asking that? Sure. And so it sounds like a, a, the, the big generalization, not just a, <laughs> you know, of how the West um, and the yeah. East um, would be treating it differently. And I'd say there's absolutely value. If you're only doing the physical practice of yoga, if you're just going to an asana class, a power yoga with, you know, Taylor Swift booming in the background, there's still value to that because you're going to be um, through your practice, you're going to be still hopefully through the guidance, hopefully through the guidance of your teacher, uh, activating your parasympathetic nervous system, and then learning more about the sympathetic nervous system and how to kind of choose your response to it. So I know we're going to get, we're getting a little granular, but there still is um, definitely physical benefits uh, to the practice. That's just a physical practice as well. Isn't, isn't that just the way we are as humans though, that we bring our ego into it and we're, we're just like, it should be like this, whatever we're doing, we think that that's the right way of doing it too. And as we go on our journey and we learn more and we realize that we weren't as educated or weren't as thoughtful or as open or energetic to what we should be doing, we, we just think that we're always right and what we're doing is right and everyone else should do it the same way that we do it. So well, being mindful that's just of that me. is an amazing step. <laughs> amazing step. Yeah, I think just being aware of what's going on, that's, that's, that's where we all start. Isn't that what you told me the other night when we were arguing? You told me that it should just be your way? Always. Yeah. Always just agree and say, you're absolutely right. <laughs> um, you talk a lot about um, your site and what you're doing, and part of your purpose is balancing the overload. And I want to talk a little bit about that, like how you do that, why that's become integral to to what your your mission is, and and how you're getting out there to help people. Yeah. So there, we we're just culturally or globally, we're absolutely in a state of overload and overwhelm and it's chronic and constant the stimulus that we have is every second of the day is insane with the technological devices and then the uh, you know the sirens going by the noise the cars the pings on our phone the emails it's like we're, we're never really escaping this stimulus and through the all of the stimulus it can be kind of perceived as um as threats <laughs> and stressors. And that's how our body is going to respond to it. Um, and I, I'm, I'm really excited to talk more about that as well, the biological elements, but why I'm, I feel so strongly about helping others on their path um, to kind of wholeness and wellness and healing and, and being conscious of this overload and overwhelm and then taking steps to reduce that is because I find that through balance and breath and movement and the practices, all of the practices of yoga, we can bring our body back into more of a homeostasis into a place where we can function optimally. Um, and that's just not just at the physical level. It, it will absolutely transform your relationships, your friendships, your family, your, your health, your, your work. Um, it just keeps, the gifts keep giving. <laughs> It's interesting. I think we have this one-dimensional view of stress. We think that stress just affects us and we become irritable. But we talked at the outset of the call, uh, the, the book, The Body Keeps the Score. And in there, the author talks a lot about how stress can manifest itself in the form of everything across your body. It's not just, it's not just mental. It's heartburn. It's your breath. It's heart attack. It's high blood pressure. It's weakened immune system. It's insomnia. It's depression. There's all these different pieces that kind of play into that puzzle of what stress is. 
And so maybe if you can for a minute, talk a little bit about that, that body's journey of when we take on a stressful situation, how that affects our body. If we, our mind, our body, like literally you talked about the parasympathetic system, the fight or flight, all those different pieces. How does our body take that on and retain that and sort of hold in and the impact it has on us? Absolutely. So just a quick to find the sympathetic nervous system would be the uh, fight or flight sympathetic. And then the parasympathetic is rest and digest. And normally our bodies really are supposed to just pendulum swing very gently every 88 minutes to four hours on average, gently between the two. Um, and when we're in the sympathetic mode, we're focused, awake, active, thinking, working, parasympathetic, we're doing our housekeeping activities or, you know, our body is digesting, our immune system is searching out for little viral and bacterial invaders. We're doing memory um, consolidation. There's awesome benefits um, to both. You know, one's not wrong, one's not worse. Um, but the problem is when we get really stuck in one. And as I mentioned, we get really stuck usually in the sympathetic activation. So um, when we're stuck there, it's going to look like, um, you know, anxiety, overthinking, um, kind of feeling jittery. Um, and the problem is that our brain perceives all threats, all stress as if we're being chased by a tiger. And maybe your listeners are very familiar with this because this um, gets spoken about often. It's well known that um, all, all of the threats are going to be tigers. It's not like um, we have different levels, different gears that we can shift between in stress. Our brains aren't that smart. They haven't evolved that far. So if you're studying for a test, if you have a, a, a phone call come up or an email, ping, 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 that it, your body is actually physiologically responding to a tiger running and chasing you, wanting to kill you. It's not thinking, oh, it's just a little stress. I, I'm fine. It's, it floods in the exact same way. Your whole system reacts as if you're being chased by a tiger, no matter what the stress is. So in terms and, of what Can I stop there for a second? Yes. Oh, yeah, yes. That's, that's major right there. I have yeah. not heard that before. So where have so I been? I, I don't know, but I've never heard it. And that's, that's stressing me out right now. No. So, so my understanding for the reasoning behind why our body does that in our evolution, if you will, is that if the body had to sit there and think about the barometer level of the stress... By the time it figured it out, we would have already been eaten by that tiger or, or back in the day, the saber tooth. So it just is like, get the fuck out, deal with it later, right? Is that sort of the best way to deal with that? Because if it had to think about what's the level of stress, do, do I run, do I walk, or do I just climb a tree, or do maybe I just sit down and meditate, by that time you might have already been eaten. The tiger's yeah, going to get you in the tree, <laughs> just saying. I don't think saber tooths could climb. I think you're right on point. Um, it also has to do with evolution and that reptilian brain being the oldest part of our brain responsible for survival and, and simple urges and instincts. And because that's um, what's activated, it just immediately kicks into gear. It's not able to use any of the higher functioning. Um, it's just part of, part of that reptilian brain that's instinctual urges. And it's not voluntary. It's not something we, we are thinking about. It's an involuntary um, response of the body. So walk us through a little bit, if you will. So let's just take a modern day scenario that doesn't involve a tiger. Uh, let's just pretend, you know, as we're in our work environment, we encounter something that causes us some sort of duress. And what actually is happening to our body at that point? You know, maybe let's yes. just, I get an email from somebody and they're 
they're upset about something we've done for them and they're they're berating us and they're insulting us whatever and our body just immediately goes into the tiger attack mode what's actually physiologically happening to our bodies right there yeah. Totally. It's brilliant and it's terrifying on, on both levels. Our bodies are hyper, hyper smart. Um, and it's amazing how what they do all to protect us. But it's also terrifying to learn um, what's going on. And it doesn't even have to be somebody's emailing you a complaint, Devo. It can literally be just opening the inbox. That can trigger every single response. Or if you hear ping, ping, ping two times, three times on your phone, same response. Um, so what happens is the adrenal glands will start at the top. We'll start up somewhere. I'll pick the adrenal glands. Um, there are these two little kind of top hats on top of your kidneys. They pump adrenaline to give you this get up and go sensation. Um, essentially, it's like having immediately three cups of coffee. So um, imagine, though, feeling like that the whole day long, which we do, right? If we're constantly email to email to phone call to schedule to the siren goes by to uh, we want to play loud music to turning on a pocket, you know, it, all these things we're doing is it's like an IV drip of coffee all day long. And what's that doing? It's going to increase your anxiety, make you feel shaky. You're going to startle and jump quickly. Your mind's not going to be able to stop thinking. And then at the end of the day, you're going to have trouble falling asleep. It is all linked to the overactivization of our stress response. So then what's also what comes next? <laughs> the glucose, fats, and proteins are released from our fatty tissues and our bodies because we don't have time to digest our, um, our tacos that we had for lunch if we're about to run from a tiger. I know right now we, we're just dealing with the emails, but our body thinks, okay, I don't have time to process. I'm just going to go steal from what I need from everywhere. And, and just have your body prepped and ready to, to fight and flight. You're to be ready. You have all this glucose, fats, and proteins you need. Let's go. Okay. So what happens then if we're doing that every single day? We're going to be pulling all of this stuff from our muscles, which causes um, muscle, uh, you know, it's going to be denigrating. We're going to have muscle loss because we're pulling things we don't need. We're also going to have too much glucose floating around in our bloodstream, which can uh, lead to circulatory system problems like strokes and clots and type 2 diabetes. So oh, that's not good. <laughs> so uh, then also, um, we, as I mentioned with clots, uh, another thing our, our bodies do, it's brilliant. They start releasing clotting factors and inflammation responses into our body. It's being ready. But tiger bites you. You're not going to hemorrhage. You're, you're going to be ready to clot. And if you sprain your ankle, you're going to already have that inflammation response ready. But again, if that's what's happening all the time, inflammation, chronic inflammation, that causes joint pain and issues. Um, and the uh, clotting factor means more sludgy blood, which we mentioned, not good. Um, pupils dilate, brain activity increases, um, muscles tight and tense. But of course, we know over tensed muscles is going to create all of this chronic pain, back pain, neck pain, body pain. Um, if you... In the long term, you just aren't going to be able to release that tension consciously. It's our fascia that saran wrap around our entire body and every single element of our body. That fascia is just going to say, oh, you want it? You want it all tense and tight? Sure, I will keep it there. So that's how it's going to kind of permanently affect um, or semi-permanently 
affect our bodies in that way. Um, the bronchial passages actually in our lungs, they dilate so that the breath can increase and the deep arteries that go to the skeletal system actually get bigger and whiter and the heart speeds up to push all of this stuff through you um, so that you have all the oxygen, glucose, fats, proteins, everything you need, all the cellular food. The delivery system is wide open to get where it needs to go, but the breathing system, that's really unsustainable. It's like having someone like pressing on your chest all day long and um, it can, it can cause definitely issues. Um, so this is all the stuff that's linked. Just some of, how about some of the stuff it's, I'm not, I'm not even going to, into all the levels. I'll, I'll cut myself off there. I've been, I've been monologuing, but that's all the stuff that, uh, some of it that's linked to the overactivization of the stress response. It's not one thing. It's, it's everything. So it's, it's, it's one it's it's one way or it's multiple ways that the body is trying to respond in preparation for it to have some sort of a defense against it. But what I'm hearing you say is that because we don't ever deregulate ourselves or de-stress out of that state, that just continues to compound over time. That sludge, that increased heart rate, all those different things that you just rattled off there, it just sort of leads to a, a tipping point at some point if we don't address it properly. Yeah, a tipping point, a stroke, you know, or um, you're to develop uh, an illness or a disorder. There's absolutely so many things that that kind of it's uh, money in the bank in the worst way possible <laughs> every every day that we we function like this, and it's so chronic. And sometimes we just think it's normal to have this much pain or this much tension, or or we don't even realize that our reproductive system are, isn't functioning because it's so. Um, it's just too uh, long term, right? We don't we we don't need to be doing that if we're running for our life. We don't need to be focusing on on our fertility. And so it's all these elements that can create so much chaos in our body um, in the long term, as well as short term. But yeah, well, it's an explosion. What you were talking about was so overwhelming. You said that's basically the tip of the iceberg. And I think, like you said, we become used to it. We don't realize it's so gradual possibly in our lives that we don't realize that we're living under that kind of red alert, um, code red sort of system. And Diva and I were talking about this the other day because I can always tell now, and I think you become numb to it, but as soon as I'm getting stressed, I can feel it like right in my back, right there. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, why didn't I notice this before? So what can we do without those, um, you know, a specific pain that we're feeling, what can we do to be aware of it to start to modify that? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, beautiful things that the yoga uh, tradition will give you to help kind of get that parasympathetic activated and to come back to, um, to releasing the activation of the stress response. But I'll, I'll just say like the, the general thing that anybody can do is, and uh, when you've successfully, we'll say, um, fought the tiger or um, you have ran away and you're safe, the, we start to kind of drip oxytocin, um, which is an amazing thing. Um, <laughs> we're biochemically compelled to reach out for comfort um, with, with a phys physical comfort, physical. Um, and so when we say somebody like, oh, I had this most stressful day, like, oh, I had all these emails, oh, it was so hard. And then we get physical, safe, safe and physical touch from somebody then we get even more oxytocin being released. They get oxytocin too. It's a win-win. 
And then that release of such a burst of oxytocin is what's going to turn off our stress response. It, it, elic it elicits the parasympathetic. So that's just something anyone can do is actually sharing um, and, and then receiving some safe physical touch, whether it's a hug or a pat on the back, that's going to help us, you know, come back down. So that's why if you have a partner or a friend or a roommate and you all, you share really about how your day went, you know, just go, oh, it's stressful. You know, if you really talk about it, release that all, and then have some physical touch, you're going to receive a benefit. You realize he's going to be asking for a massage after. You can you can do this, and that counts as a massage. You know, like, all right? That's see, okay. Same thing in the body. That's the wrong answer. Mute. Redo. Redo. Well, yeah, that's enough. funny that you talked about this oxytocin drip. I was actually just reading a story the other day on this new uniform that the u.s military is testing right now and it's a it's a full body suit that these soldiers will wear and when when the soldier is in a situation of fight or flight it actually triggered the the, the uniform that the soldiers are wearing it triggers something when it starts to sense this oxytocin or this stress level rising and it it injects the soldier with these micro needles that are built into the suit to repress the oxytocin drip so that the soldier stays in a permanent state of fight instead no of flight. Way. And they're, yeah, I was just reading it. They're actually testing it right now. And the suit is built with these millions of little micro needles, like nano needles that literally inject the, the soldier so that it's constantly ready to be vigorous and ready to fight. And I was like, how the fuck can they do something like that? And what are the ramifications of something like that for this soldier once they come do eventually come down? Like we're dealing with soldiers right now with massive amounts of PTSD and, and PTSD and trauma and stuff. Like, isn't this just going to exacerbate that issue for them? Oh, absolutely. This is not okay. Like I, I'm very, I'm surprised it's gone this far because this seems like completely unethical because I, I walk you through some of the issues, but it's, it's going to affect every single system in their body, their their muscular system, their skeletal, their respiratory, their cardiovascular, endocrine, their gastrointestinal, their nervous, like everything reproductive, everything. Like maybe they're not going to be able to successfully have a child because of this, or maybe they'll develop type two diabetes, even though they're hyper healthy. It like this is very terrifying, Debo. I'm going to Google it and. I'm very well, happy to hear it. I don't know that anyone in the history of warfare has ever said that soldiers were were not disposable creatures for whatever functioning governing body that you Well, could you say that's how we feel about cows and chickens in our society? Yeah. They're disposable creatures? I, I know I'm not arguing with you. I'm with you. I'm like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever read that we would put these soldiers who are already enduring massive amounts of stress as it is, who are already just trained to do whatever it is they do, like robots. And now we're basically going to keep them in this robotic state so they can kill at our discretion. It's like, what the hell kind of humans are we that we would do that to our own people? I'm actually not to bring me you into just like, bring it actually... back, bring it back. <laughs> no, no. But when you're talking about that, I, I'm shooting a keynote speaker tonight, Robert O'Neill, who's been on, he's, he was a Navy SEAL, blah, 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 all the things, um, related somehow to Osama bin Laden and that whole raid and all of that has been on over 400 missions, Ooh. like unbelievable, right? Like, and when you're talking about what actually happens in, in, inside this body and the energetics um, linking to the actual physical medical conditions. It's, it's overwhelming, isn't it? 
it is and I, I really hope that he um as as was mentioned in the body keeps the score which Steve and i talked to talked about briefly is that um yoga is so beneficial for people with PTSD and people who are police officers or passing the army. And there's amazing initiatives in the U S to get people. Um, it, it, there's, there's systems and structures created now, I think in New York and in Boston area specifically for people who have served because yoga, meditation, breath work, pranayama, they all are going to offer so much uh, benefits that's going to help kind of reset the system and offer space for healing to occur because it's, it's really, yeah, it's huge. It's huge. It's interesting to me that we sometimes look for the latest and greatest or the most complicated, um, something that just is more chaotic in our lives to add, add to the stress. We're adding another routine that's very, very stressful as opposed to something that Mm. is long lived is simple People think it's woo-woo, but there's so much medical um, collaboration with it and what you're talking about that sometimes the most easiest and the most simplest is the best, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I love that you mentioned that because there is some now uh, movements in the West where it's like, oh, I want to learn about, uh, we'll say, Kapalvati breathing. I, I want to do absolutely this like intense, uh, you know, powerful breath work when I amazing benefits for that. But if you're seeking to really activate the, the parasympathetic and really just do something simple, deep breathing, with just an emphasis on your exhalation is, is where to start. Just taking deep, deep breaths. You can be laying down seated in a cross-legged position, sitting in a chair, but deep breathing with that little emphasis on the exhalation because each exhale, the heartbeat actually slows down a tiny bit. And every inhale, the heartbeat increases a teeny bit. So it's that slight, slight, ever so tiny, tiny parasympathetic to sympathetic. So just by that repetitive movement, um, breath movement, uh, you're also anything repetitive helps activate the parasympathetic as well. Whether the repetitive movement is is listening to something repetitive, um, tapping is repetitive and that can help uh, activate it or just deep breathing. As I said, there's very simple things you can do to help calm yourself down and, and deactivate that stress response. I'd like to talk about that breath work in a minute, if you don't mind, but you referenced the body keeps the score. And I wanted to go back to, to that for one minute. I think the author's name is Vander Kolk or something like that. He talks yep, about how, when you're dealing with stress and you're dealing with anxiety, that he, he really goes into the space of dealing with symptoms versus dealing with the cause of it and how, a lot of modern psychology has it wrong because they try to deal with the causes rather than getting to the core. And I might have that back. No, I have that right. Getting to the core of the pot, which is the, the more symptomatic piece. Does your understanding of stress align with that or do you feel it's, it's something different? Great question. Um, and, and my answer is yes, no, maybe. <laughs> I actually believe both. I think that through self-awareness, through spending time in meditation, learning more and more and more about the habits of your mind, the mental formation, how much is an illusion, how much is just aversion, attraction, ignorance, like um, doing vipassanas, these 10 day silent meditation retreats with like complete, almost sense deprivation, you know, no phone, no pencil, no pen, no reading material, no eye contact with people. I've done um, a few vipassanas and they're absolutely 
integral for or vital to learn about yourself and your habit of your mind, which I think is one of the strongest things we can do for our healing is to understand. And that's, that's self-work, that's hard self-work. But then on the other side, I think that if you're treating the symptoms of your, of your stress levels by activating or by deactivating the stress response through embodiment, breath, these physical movements, physical practices, even silence, Silence is an, a very simple thing we can do for treating our symptoms of uh, over-sense stimulus. We, when you think of diet as, as a cutting out carbs, but have you ever thought about doing a sound diet, really minimizing what you listen to or a taste, you know, just there's, we have different senses and they all inform, every single one of our senses informs our stress systems and our parasympathetic and uh, sympathetic responses. So I think there's, there's two elements of it. And I think both are absolutely important for our, our growth. What you're describing there is literally the exact polar opposite of the state of affairs that we live in right now in our environments, like literally polar opposite, detaching from the constant stimulation of our phones, of our emails, of our computer, of the TV, of the cars driving by, of like literally everything. What's the actual benefit of that? And what what's happening when, you know, people talk about detach from outcome and when you meditate, it's not about closing down thoughts. It's just about silence and listening to your breath and all those things. What are the benefits of that and what's actually happening when you're going through that detachment from all this stimuli? Mm. So when you're, when you're going to be detaching from stimuli, your body is going to, it's going to be, you're activating your parasympathetic, the rest and the digest element. If you're removing all the stimulus and you're ask, your body constantly, constantly is asking you, are you okay? Is this okay? Is that, is that okay? Am I safe? And if it's constantly saying no, because it feels threats from the noises and what we see, even on the, the TV screen, if we're watching a movie, if our email box is continuing to stress us out, um, we're saying no. And it's not intentional. This is what our reptilian brain is instinctually going to be answering for us. And that's why when we're detaching and we're doing silence, deep breathing, yoga um, practices, repetitive movements like sun salutations, calming music, and even inversions, like just laying on your back, putting your feet up the wall, getting your head beneath your heart. There's these very simple things we can do to tell ourselves we're okay. And when we say, okay, we're okay, that's all the crazy things that I listed um, is going to just release and come back down. We're going to be able to uh, you know, digest our food properly, like, oh, get all the nutrition we need, get all of that waste out of our cells, you know, get everything that's been kind of getting junky, all that glucose or all that, um, all the toxins, everything that's stored in our body, it's going to be able to flush out. Um, our reproductive system is going to be able to function again. Our immune system will function, will be optimized. Um, you know, our memory will get better even with the, how we're going to be able to store what we've learned through the day or what we've processed in our body, in our mind, in, in the whole system of ourselves. So I think detachment um, has these physical benefits, but also the, the mental and the spiritual benefits as well of kind of being able to be more more conscious and pause and think, okay, what am I creating in my mind? What am I feeling in my body? What's actually happening? So you're able to choose your response 
to things better. That question, am I, am I okay? Am I safe? Am I safe? That we're constantly asking ourselves in the reptilian brain. If you're able to generate more awareness through, through silence and through these uh, practices, then you're able to kind of pause and maybe answer that question, not instinctually so much anymore. Have that moment to say, wait, 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 is this a tiger or is it a paper tiger? Mm -hmm. I like that analogy you said about we, we put our physical bodies on diets to lose weight, etc. So what you're saying is almost like a mind body pollution diet. You're literally just stepping outside of the pollution of all of the nonsense that's pervading your entire life. I, I love that analogy. Thanks. Yeah, it's a lot of nonsense. That's a great word to pick. So you've given us so much like physical um, proof, um, spiritual proof, all of that. You've given us so many reasons to be conscious of this and making the change. You've also talked about creating the space for self-care. How, how do you suggest, you know, one or two ways that people start taking this seriously instead of just, you know, here's all the, here's the recipe for disaster, but actually doing something about it. Like how do we make that part of our routine and self-care and be more cognizant of it? Yeah. And I, I really would hope that part of that thing, making anything part of the routine, it can feel stressful for people. And then they can start to judge themselves and criticize themselves and have negative self-talk because, oh, I didn't do that today. Or, oh, I, I'm going to be hurrying from this if I, if I fit that in. And I think it's very important when we introduce new things to our routine as well. We do it with intention and we know we're doing this for our our self better betterment and also for the betterment of our families, the people around us. If we're more balanced, if we're more calm, if we're more aware, if we if we're not constantly stressed, then we're going to be able to respond better to their needs, to our own needs. And then of course it just keeps going, right? Our community, the whole planet can benefit when, when we're more mindful. Um, so I think that just start small, start very small and, and always act with compassion towards yourself, not judgment. If it doesn't fit in one day, that's okay. Try, try to be dedicated, try to have discipline, but also always be kind. Uh, I recommend first thing in the morning, the, the biggest thing you can do is not look at your phone. Biggest, that's like my number one, I want the whole world to know is turn off your alarm. Sure, if it's on your phone, hit it, but sleep with your phone on airplane mode and don't turn it on off or don't turn it off airplane until you're done with your morning ritual routine. Do not check it because the second, if you wake up, the second you scroll your emails or your notifications, if it's already on and available, the, the second you wake up, your, your breath is going to be out of balance. You are going to be immediately in the um, sympathetic and you've lost so much of that rest and recharge and rejuvenation that you've got from your sleep. So that's my number one is if even you can even wait for 15 minutes, wait, if you can wait for an hour, wait, but just don't do it. <laughs> and then I would say if you can uh, start instead with just a thought of gratitude, if you have a sankalpa, a mantra, uh, an affirmation, if you can repeat that in your mind a couple times, feeling grateful to be alive, grateful for another day, having the intention to perhaps have more space and for or not be reactive or more kind or whatever your intention would be, set it. And then if you can just spend five minutes doing a meditation practice or more. So if I could encourage people for the first five to 15 minutes of their day to be about the internal world, not the external world, I think you're going to set yourself up for a lot more um, success for not having as much stress in your day. If you can just frame your morning in this way a little bit more. 
That was absolutely beautiful. I 100% agree with everything that you said. Our, our days get hijacked and you almost have to guard that, that beautiful point in the morning that maybe it is only 15 minutes, but it's, uh, it's pretty precious. Thank yeah, you for sharing sacred. that. Yeah, sacred space. And then, if of course, you have time for yoga, um, fitting in that into your day in any way you can, whether it's just five minutes in a butterfly, like just sitting on the ground with, I think we all probably are familiar with butterfly pose, but um, if you can just do five minutes, then you've still succeeded. You know, you've still added something in your day that can disrupt that uh, chronic activation of the sympathetic nervous system. We're supposed to swing between the two. And if you notice, okay, I've been go, 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 going from phone call to phone call. If you can take a five minute, you can set a timer. There's a wonderful app by Titnot Han. It's called Plum Village. It's free. There's sounds of the bell you can play. There's meditations you can do, or you can join me on Insight Timer. I have meditations there that I offer for free as well and breath work. So just if you can also maybe insert into your day a couple five minutes, um, great. If you can insert more, great. But it's it's not good about um, winning, losing, being good or bad. We're not going to have those dual thinking. Um, we're not going to bring that into our, our self-care practices. We're just going to really try to acknowledge the benefits for ourselves, our productivity, our families, our friends, and all living beings. If we can just you know come back down to our bodies and our breath more. That's an interesting paradigm shift there. You talked a lot about detaching from things and have setting up these habits of gratitude in the morning and not turning on your phone and not checking your email and spending, taking these five minute breaks throughout the day. Personally speaking, I, I used to think of, I used to do those things when I first started down this practice of meditating and doing yoga and all the different things. I used to just view them as sort of a checklist to sort of say, hey, I did that today. So I'm suddenly going to be better. Hold on to my battery. I, I realized that in, in the process of doing that, that it wasn't about checking things off my list, like a project management aspect. It was more of breaking away from the noise, the pollution of it, and establishing these patterns, these habitual patterns of doing something that wasn't part of the chaos and the maelstrom that was swimming around in my head. And it wasn't until I started to realize that that I actually started getting some benefit from it. It's an interesting concept to discuss and we could talk about it for a while. I know we're running out of time, but I love what you said there. That's, that's great. And I think that you get benefits even if you don't realize you're getting benefits. So even if it's a checklist, there still is physiological and um, spiritual and energetic benefits that you're not even realizing is there, I promise. Still yeah. is. Scientifically proven. Google it. <laughs> you're still getting them. But it's also amazing, Devo, that you had that awareness that eventually kicked in and you said, huh, I think I'm viewing this in more of a check, 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 check way. And then you had that aha moment. And then that informed your intention and your perspective on the practice going forward. And so it's these steps that we have to remember. The more aware we become, the more mindful. Sometimes we think, oh my gosh, but my mind's going even more crazy than it was when I started meditating. I'm having even more thoughts. That's great. That's that's great. You know it. You're aware of it. You're paying attention to it. And being um, the observer of it all, being the witness and being even more aware, that's that's I, I hate using the word success. But, you know, that that is something to celebrate. That's really the goal is more and more mindful, more and more aware. Even if you think I just took us, I took 10 steps backwards. No, you didn't. I promise. It's all part of it. <laughs>
We need to do a second podcast with you because there was a couple of things that I, I wanted to go over with you, which one of when, one of which is meditation and the other one is breath work. So we need to have a separate conversation because we're actually running out of time. But before you jump off, there were a couple of things that you said in the beginning of the call that I really, if you wouldn't mind quickly touching on. Um, the first one was intuition and listening to your inner voice and your inner, which is sort of like your spirit or whatever you want to call it, depending upon where you believe. How does one, if you can quickly, and this is a probably much longer conversation, how does one listen and learn to better understand that voice that's constantly nudging them with invariably is the right answer to everything? Mm, mm, yeah, I, I totally believe it. And, um, in yogic system, it's your third eye chakra, um, the one in um, your sixth chakra. It's very, very uh, important to, to, to develop kind of a relationship with your third eye and with your sense of intuition and instinct and self-knowledge. And I think a great practice is very simple. If you're in Shavasana, if you're laying down in corpse pose, just completely relaxed, practice asking yourself a question, like a very resonant question, like something you're very struggling with. Um, what's my next step? Should I X, Y, or Y, or Z? You know, like if you have a big question, just practice asking it and then waiting, just waiting, just feel how that feels to wait. And then maybe eventually, you know, you'll hear something kind of organically bubble up. Or if that doesn't feel good to you, write it down on a piece of paper and then wait. Just just do nothing else. Phones off, no buzzers are going on. You know, you're, you're doing your sound diet, your sense diet. You're, you're just focusing on just this question with kind of a sense deprivation and see what comes up. Because I have an Ouroboros, the snake eating its own tail, tattooed on my ankle um, as a constant reminder that I am the cause and the solution of all of my problems. That's brilliant. I already have everything I need. It's already inside of me. What if that inner voice and that question that you ask yourself is the answer is the tiger is coming? <laughs> well, that that can be very metaphorical, and I would love to talk more about that. <laughs> um, there's been so much here that you've just instructed us with. Honestly, just you talking about Shavasana, I'm the one that's rolling up my mat at that point and putting my mat away. Always, Not always. And Or if it's like, okay, everyone's laying down, I'm going to do a headstand, or I'm going to just do like... I don't know, some other sort of stretch instead, because this, this is wasted time just laying there. So thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you're not alone, Lisa. That's very repenting. Kind of human reaction because <laughs> you think, oh, I want to do, do, do. I don't want to. Yeah. Let me just throw a little pigeon in here right now. <laughs> yeah. My hits needed. I swear. <laughs> no, I think I'm the reason you struggle with yoga, Lisa, because it's always me. I, I always start having all these things like, shit, I didn't get that done. I got to respond to this or I got to do that or I got to do this. And like, 30 minutes into the yoga class, I'm usually the one that's giving up. And I think I'm causing you to have to give up because you look at me and you're like, all right, he's already moving on. So I'm going to, it's me who needs to pull up in this. No, I, 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 I kind of like the struggle of it sometimes, you know, I'm breathing through if it's half pigeon, it's kind of hurts, but you're getting a little bit further and you're opening up and you can feel that. But I don't think my mindset's right for that either. I just need to like wherever I am be in that moment, be present as to, like you were saying, checking things off. And I think that corresponds to what we do through our light, uh, throughout our day in our life. We're always trying to like that tally of things that we did. Look, look what I accomplished today. That checklist. <laughs> I'm badass. <laughs> yeah. Lily, Lily, there are so many things that we, that we touched on in this conversation. And I, I was literally making notes over here of all these things I wanted to ask you. I got through a fraction of them. So <laughs> I hope that means that you'll come back on and talk to us again. 
but before you jump off, thank you for all of your, your eloquence and your thought seed on this. How can people find you? We have the state of women up there that uh, you have a couple of different handles on Instagram. Tell us a little bit about how people can find you, some of the services that you might be able to afford them in terms of downloads or exercises, yada, yada, yada. Just talk to us a little bit about it. As you. well as on the Insight Timer. I didn't realize you were on that as well. Yes, yes. Um, so I, my handles that I use is at Wild Yoga Tribe. So that's on Instagram, on YouTube, on um, Facebook. It's, it's everywhere I'm at. And I also have the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast where each week I interview a yoga teacher from a different country around the world. And we get to talk about their journeys and their yoga philosophies. And we go super in depth and to super fun places. So <laughs> I would definitely love to uh, interact with um, anybody who has a question or something they're working through. I love um, trying to help others that way. I also do some coaching services and I offer, um, yeah, if, if you are looking to kind of just reset and reframe, learn more about something, I do um, hour long private yoga classes or half hour meditation classes. You can sign up and work with me or if you have something else in mind that you really want to dig into, I'm I'm always at your service. I would love to help. And if you want to join me for some free yoga classes on YouTube, I have quite a few offered. And then also on Insight Timer free meditations. And I'm really excited. I'm going to get to recording some pranayama. So just for 10 to 15 minutes, if you want to learn how to do some different breath work exercises, like we've mentioned a couple today, let's let's hop on there soon and uh, get working together. That's fantastic. Well, we're going to hit you back up to come back and talk about a few things. That way we don't have to pay for it. So we can just get you on here and do it on the fly. So. <laughs> I love that. I love hanging out with you guys. You guys are amazing. So let's keep it going. Uh, Lisa, so any selfish. <laughs> Lisa, no, any no. I, I can't wait till this comes out and is produced because I always listen to them again. I'll be taking notes. Not as I drive, but I'll be taking notes because you dropped so much wisdom. Thank you so much. So many benefits for our life. Really appreciate it. Thanks, you guys. It's truly been a joy to be with you. The other two pieces that I'm going to hit you up next time we talk are you talked a little bit at the outset about karma and the benefits of having that sort of idea of gratitude and kindness because they're not just it's not just a word. It's not just saying, hey, I, I'm acting kind today so that I can be kind to you. Like there are actual physiological genetic things that go on in your body, aren't they? When you when you exercise gratitude and you have kindness and all those different things. So I want to talk about that. And then the karma piece, which you know, in the Western world, we think of karma as a conditional relationship because that's how we've been taught to think. Like if you be kind, you'll get something, right? You be nice to your sister, she'll be nice back to you and you won't get punished. But that's not what karma actually is, right? And I, I, we wanna, I wanna talk about that, but I've run out of time. So um, Lisa's kicking me under the table saying we're at an hour, so. <laughs> no, Thanks I'm, I'm pumped, I'm ready. Let's, let's keep it going and let me know whenever you guys are free. And we'll come to, to you. Again. We'll come yeah. to you. Yeah. Great. <laughs> France sounds great. <laughs> I've never been to France. You have, right? Mm -hmm. Many times. Yeah, mm -hmm. I've never been there. Okay, great. Lily, thank you so much for your intellect and all of your conversations today. It's been fantastic talking with you. Thanks again, you guys. It's been a joy. So I'm going to kick you out of the studio here again. Lisa and I are just going to do a small wrap up and then um, we'll send you some notifications afterwards on kind of what to expect next and all those good things. Sweet. So I should hit X. I'm done, done. You can do whatever you want. If you want to listen to us ramble for a few more minutes, you can, but um, we're done with you. So thank you for all your we're time. <laughs> we're done with you, as they say in the South. That's okay. It's 3, 3 p.m. and I can you. use a little lunch. I so saw you I'm more. ready. <laughs> Thanks, Lily. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.
That was a fantastic conversation. I know. I love, I love when we have conversations with, with people that are so in tune, they're so educated, they're, they're just embody all of it, but I feel like it's selfish. I feel like, Hey, we're having this conversation because I need it in my life right now. And it's going to, you know, check off some of the boxes that we're, we're working on right now. So she, she filled up a lot of buckets right now. It's our show. We can do whatever we want. I know. I know. We're the puppet masters for for sixty minutes every Monday. So, I, they were, I literally this is my notepad. I was like, every time she would say something that I was like, hey, I need to talk about that, and to talk about that, I never get enough time to ask all these different questions that I want to ask. And and my final takeaway, and then we'll shut this podcast down. I'm blown away the number of amazing people that we have brought into our ethos through this podcast, and the the number of people that we have connected with, but. More importantly, how much we've learned from people who offer so many different unique perspectives on everything across mm-hmm. this planet. And I'm, mm-hmm. she talked about gratitude and, and, and whatnot. And, you know, I think about the podcast and you and I struggle sometimes on how do we make this podcast? How can we monetize it? How can we attract bigger audiences? But I'm really grateful for the fact that I a, get to do this with you and have this opportunity to just have these conversations. But I'm grateful that we have the opportunity to bring on these ridiculously talented people mm-hmm. who in their own little section of, the, of their world and their personal ethos are sharing that with other people in their space to, to do something that's that's making everything a little bit better in some way, shape or form. I, yeah. I think the key word, what you said is, is, and it runs, there's a, a, a common thread through everyone that we've had. They're, they're all sharing. They're, they're people that are totally giving back to the community, totally giving back to, to anyone that um, is in need, that they're sharing their superpower. And it's, it's, um, it's really uplifting to see that, isn't it? It is. It's fantastic. I, I sometimes feel so diminutive when we have some of these guests coming on because I'm like, they're doing so much cool shit. What am what I doing? What am I doing with my life? <laughs> well, Can I of, ride on their coattails? That's kind Maybe. of funny. So I, it's interesting. You know, I sort of struggle with this all the time. I'm like, what legacy am I leaving on this planet? I'm like, what am I doing? Like, if I were to leave today, would anybody even know that I'm gone? And you always remind me, you know, that, that I, that, you know, in my own personal Nobody cares. Way, no. <laughs> Yeah, you do that as well. But I saw a meme this morning on Instagram, and it was kind of interesting. Wait, 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 wait. Time out. Did you pick up your phone first thing when you woke up and look at that? My God, no. But I did yesterday, and I was going to say that on the call. I did just that. I, I try to do what Lily said and what you say all the time, which is, you know, for the first hour, don't touch your phone. But I did pick up my phone yesterday, and it was an email from a client we'll talk about later that we've already talked about and you know there was sort of a complaint about some things i'm like oh, fuck and it hijacked my entire morning because everything that i had planned to do that morning which is my normal routine of things i didn't do i didn't go to the gym i didn't meditate i didn't do yoga with you i like all the things because i had to just jump right in and deal with that and and it's it's funny because lily said it basically hijacks your day or you said it hijacks your day and it does like the entire rest of my day i was just like mind clutter and just like frantic and just like ah like so many things that i was i was reactive to and it just it fucked mm-hmm. up my mm-hmm. entire day mm-hmm. so what was this meme we'll talk about it off oh the meme sorry yeah. the meme was the meme was this is a message for everyone 
you may ask yourself, and I, I almost sort of got goosebumps as I read it. You you may think that your existence has no role in in on this planet. But think about every single human that you've ever met, spoken to, engaged with, waved at, smiled at, talked to, played with, yada, yada, yada. And had you not had that interaction, whether you're aware of it or not, you had some footprint on them, if even for a minute. So when you think that you don't matter or when you think that your existence is pointless, think about all the people that you have touched from the day you were born until now and and unknowingly some sort of a, a effect you've had on them and if if even you've made one person have a, a better day because of a smile you left or because of an interaction or of a kind word you left them then you did have an impact on them and i thought that was really mm -hmm. profound mm -hmm. well lily certainly had an impact on us today and one of the things I'm just say one more thing i love how she brought together medical and spirituality mm -hmm. it was just so integrated and mm -hmm. it just made sense so i really mm -hmm. appreciate that yeah it's fantastic we need to bring her back on because there's other things i yep. like talking with her about um all right any closing thoughts from you no uh, by the uh, way i agree with lily your voice is very soothing on the podcast you have a, i've always thought that about you have a very nice sounding voice but not just on the podcast you. in general you have a very nice sounding voice thank you okay all right. Awkward. Awkward. Hashtag awkward. Whatever. Um, we need to have, a, we hear need to have we... somebody come on the show that talks about why you can't accept compliments. Oh, we need someone to like open up a lot of this stuff. <laughs> There's a lot of, when we were talking about stress, you know, like for me, it's in my back, but how you are supposed to hold emotions within your body. That's really interesting to me too. Um, so if anyone wants to hear more or find out more about us, where can they find us? You can find us on Instagram at Sprout Connectors. They can find us on YouTube at Mind Body Business Podcast with Lisa and Devo. And if you hear something on the show or you watch one of our shows and you really enjoy it, we'd love for you to comment. You'd love for us to comment because all of your comments and your engagement with us keeps our show running. And we can't just keep asking our family to do it. I don't think my mom even listens to me anymore. I my mom doesn't either. Yeah. The yeah. bollocks. That's, that's another podcast, The Shame of Our Families. Perfect. <laughs> All right. We'll see you soon. Time, everybody, thank you. See you soon. Talk to you soon. I will see you tomorrow. I know. In the flesh. I know. Are lot. you going to run like I'm the pr pr the tiger coming at you? No, I'm going to run into your arms like Dirty Dancing. I like that.